Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. <sighs> Today, <laughs> on this show, we're talking about a movie that I feel like this whole Ten podcast... Ten years in and, the making. <laughs> this whole podcast adventure has been leading up to in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. yeah. And 10 years in the making. 11 years, really. Yeah. Yeah, 11 years. Um, Avengers Endgame. Now, to set us up, if you haven't seen Infinity War, I can't imagine why you'd be watching this. But in Infinity War, our heroes are left speechless for the first time. And half of what they used to be, literally. Thanos, the uh, godlike villain who has been teased since the first Avengers movie, has collected all of the Infinity Stones had a huge battle on multiple planets, and finally on Earth, he snaps his fingers, and half of the universe's population disappears, leaving the Avengers and the world in ruins. Cliffhanger. No. That's our setup, yeah. Uh, also, spoiler alert, have you guys done the website where uh, Thanos, you go yeah. through it? I survive every time, so I feel like I'm actually safe. Like, I don't put a lot of stock into him, but every time I've gone, I've been safe, so yeah. I, I survived. I survived the, uh, what was it, the snapshare. That's yeah. what I survived. Have you all yeah, done never the made thing? Yeah, yeah, that's not as exciting. Yeah, we saw the Google thing the other day. Yeah. Um, anyway, continue, sorry. No, that's fine. We, um, sh- we should let you all know we're about to reveal a lot of spoilers. Yeah, this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy discussion because the movie can't really be discussed without spoilers. Nope. So if you haven't watched Endgame yet, turn this off. That's all I got to say to that. Uh, you know, normally we don't encourage you not to listen, but you really shouldn't because I swear if somebody gets mad that we spoiled <laughs> the movie after we told you repeatedly... This will contain devastating spoilers. Right. You're getting all your warnings here? I mean, go. One more time. Just this go. movie. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to listen to this podcast, listen to any of our other podcasts. Yeah, we, we got have, great. We, we have so, we have like a, like what, 50 episodes or more something? Than like that. That? First, more than that. Go watch Avengers Endgame, then yeah. <laughs> come back and watch. You can go listen to our Infinity War show. There's a bunch of options. A, don't listen to this one until you've watched Endgame. If someone in the room hasn't watched Endgame, kick them out. Just don't don't <laughs> let this spoil you. That would break my heart. You shouldn't have friends that haven't seen Endgame anyway. That's true. Okay, that's out of the way. Again, there's spoilers. Um, so, one word to describe the movie. Let's do that. Epic. Oh. Epic. I'm going to say cathartic. Ooh. Good. Man, I had two, and I struggle. I can't decide between the two. Is one just doo-doo? No. <laughs> I'm going to go with the symbol. But Maybe, like, I don't know. I ha- the, I'm just going to go with the symbol. I'm not happy with about it. With symbol? A symbol. That's two words. No, a no, symbol. No, a symbol, <laughs> not a symbol. <laughs> not, the music, not the musical instrument. A symbol. Okay. No, okay. I, see, I was thinking like a symbol as in like a symbolic Oh, no, 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 no. You were thinking the instrument. You were thinking the verb. I yeah. was thinking a metaphor. <laughs> That was a very deep word. By yeah. the way, my, my <laughs> wife that I've mentioned often on the podcast is in the background. Uh, I, oh, that, I, yeah. thought, I thought A symbol too. <laughs> I did. Um, you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> there you go. I said it right the first time. Y'all just weren't listening. <laughs> I just thought, what symbol is it? My word is masterpiece. Masterpiece. Good. Yeah, I think it's We've got some words from some of our followers, too, out there oh, yeah. Please in, the, uh, in the Twitter-verse and Instagram-verse. Uh, on Instagram, we had a very kind user uh, whose name tag, I forget, <laughs> uh, say Epic. I'll find oh, that. Oh, that was Andrews. And uh, we've got a couple other Epics on Twitter. Uh, one person said Conclusion. One person said Hope. 
Mm. One person said satisfying, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, incredible. And then one person just says sacrifice, which could be a spoiler. But in in, in some ways, yeah. I, I think people going into the movie had to assume that that was some level an of element of that was going to yeah. be in this kind of film. Yeah. And then that's all they have. So um, as anyone who has watched this would know, this movie is so packed with development really that it's almost impossible to do a, a like a proper plot synopsis without taking up a whole hour so the the basic gist of what goes down before we get into kind of our favorite moments discussion and oh, one last time i'm about to spoil some stuff <laughs> spoilers ahead people the movie opens. spoilers ahead for god's sake <laughs> The movie opens, we finally see what Hawkeye has been doing. We've been wondering where Hawkeye was. He's at home on the farm with his family. Mm-hmm. They're dusted. They're <gasps> snapped away. In a heartbreaking display. In a heartbreaking moment. I've actually um, not seen the movie yet. <laughs> Captain Marvel saves Tony and Nebula, brings them back to Earth. The Avengers, somewhat, are reunited. A plan is hatched to go find Thanos and kill him. They do. 20 minutes in the movie, Thor kills Thanos. Now what? Another plan is hatched when Scott arrives back from the quantum realm, if you saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. They're going to uh, stage a time heist and go back in time to pivotal moments in their history when the stones were available. Steal them. Take them back and undo the snap. They do that. Yes. It's key to mentioning that Thanos destroyed the stones after using them. Right. That's why they have to go back and get them. Right. They go back and get them because, yeah, Thanos, Thanos destroyed them. Um, they undo the snap, our, our fallen heroes return, and a hugely epic battle commences, and ultimately, as I think we all expected, the Avengers win the day, with some losses along the way. Natasha did not make it. She sacrificed her life for Clint to get the Soul Stone. Tony died. Tony Stark, the ultimate Avenger, the first Avenger, even though they call Cap the first (laughs) Avenger. We all know it's Iron Man. He dies performing the final snap that kills Thanos and his army. I can't wait. I, I can wait to talk about that part, actually. Really <laughs> and that's where we're left in this new world where five years later, everyone is back, but nothing is ever going to be the same. And the world has stopped turning and now it has to get back on its feet again. Uh, the, the core Avengers have separated in a way. Cap has gone off. He w- He went to return the stones to their timeline to correct a very complex timeline scenario that I don't even know if we can get into fully. <laughs> no, it's hard to understand. He's supposed to come back. He chooses not to. He stays in the past to live out his life he always wanted with Peggy, gets his final dance. He comes back to see Hulk and um, Bucky and Falcon as an old man, where he passes off the shield to Sam, Falcon, and we're left happily ever after. Those are the basics of that No, movie. we're not. Well, we're left. Hey, Cap was left happily ever after. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> you can at least say it, leaves, we get it what, leaves on a positive note. And it, and it actually, I, I question that. And it actually, it actually closes on like a kind of, for the most part, closed ending. Like there's no like setup people, yeah. for something after. Mm-hmm. There's no like tease to like, oh, here's what the Avengers yeah. have next or something like no. that. It's like no tease, no post credits. Nothing. We're just we're, we just go out on a nice. Nice little scene at the end of the movie that, um, I don't know, probably could have made a deleted scene if this had been like any other studio. Yeah. And now that 
there's a, a lifetime's worth of favorite moments in this movie. Oh, Let's man. jump straight into it and talk some about our, our favorite moments. But I, I, I briefed you guys ahead of time. I wanted to do this in segments so that we don't jump all over the place like the Avengers jumping through time. Three acts is how I'm going to defi- define this. The beginning with Clint and his family up to um, the moment Scott returns. So we're talking about the first attack on Thanos, the grieving part, the five years later jump. What are some of our favorite moments from that period of the movie? Oh, uh, my favorite moment, I think one of my favorite moments was when Captain Marvel arrived to help out uh, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I think because mm-hmm. I'd always wondered like how they're going to get back home. And yeah, they're on that ship and clearly it's dire. And then all of a sudden there's Captain Marvel and it's it just uh, everything there was just kind of symbolic. And, and I loved how it, they just brought him home. One of my favorite parts of this was when Tony and Cap finally meet for the first time mm-hmm. since Civil War. It's a real first time that they have had any kind of interaction in several movies. And there, for me, there was this big buildup to them meeting up for the first time because of all of the stuff that they went through and the separation that it caused and the division amongst the Avengers. And then instead what happens is you see his they're both genuinely concerned about Thanos and everything that he's done. Tony mentions that he lost Peter and like these are the main things, not their own personal tiffs with each other. And I thought that was really nice. And I also you later see in that same sequence Tony still has this pent up issues with Cap and he really lets that fly in addition to and, and I don't think it's necessarily his frustrations with Cap. I think that's, stem, that's part of it. But I think that they're both just so frustrated with everything that happens. And they failed. And they couldn't get the job done to save the world. And so on top of that, Tony is like, you told me that you, were, you would be there. And that we would win and lose together. And you weren't. And we lost. You're a liar. And kind of pinning it on him. And... Cap is more focused on how can we solve this problem? What's the strategy? And not taking the emotional side of it. So, like, Cap is always more strategic, and Tony is an emotional person. And so those just come to a conclusion, or a a head-on, and they finally get their issues out and go their separate ways. I mean, Tony rips off his arc reactor and, like, collapses. Like, there's a lot of built-up tension and excitement that I had been waiting for since Civil War. Yeah. I want to hear David's thoughts on that scene. Um, you know, personally, it's a very aggressive re- reuniting. You know, like Tony's obviously. I, I want to point out, I think they, remember we were talking about Cap's uh, skinny effect in mm-hmm. First Avenger? I'm pretty positive they did that again here. Yeah, yeah. and they perfected it they this time. And it yeah. looks a seamless. Now, granted, they don't. Think, I don't think they made uh, Robert Downey Jr. that much smaller than he might necessarily be, but he looked like sickly yeah, it gone. looked like they just like found it a way was, to delete his yeah. iron man muscles yeah it was it was great and so like we it's so funny that we were talking about that just not long ago mm-hmm. and now like they have i think perfected that and perfected so many of the the technology uh, the tech that they've been using for these movies but it's such an you know like so aggressive and it really kind of it definitely puts you in an uneasy space as an audience member because we're hoping to see like 
we're already devastated from the end of the last movie. So we're kind of hoping that like things are going to like, okay, they're going to get together and they're going to put differences aside and make things work, but they do not put differences aside right away. It is very um, angry. And some people might say that Tony's sort of justified in his anger that because he tried to make this argument that they should stick together, no matter what it means for them in the long, in the short term, that in the long term they needed to be together. That was his whole philosophy in Captain America Civil War. And so Tony's rage is coming from a very relatable uh, point of view. Um, even if you, even if we, the audience, would rather just kind of go like, but who cares? Get, just, just, just get together and go beat up the go beat Thanos, you know? And so, and by, and, and the, the, you, this is kind of usually the great thing about Steve Rogers as a character is he doesn't really deny any of it, you know? It's, not necessarily a case of he thought they shouldn't be together. He just didn't think what they were doing. And so War is right. And so when Tony accuses him of all these things, he just kind of takes it. And he kind of sees that Tony's coming from a place of frustration and anger and um, and and sort of loss and regret. So it's it's a very impactful scene that puts the audience in sort of an uncertain place because we don't know what's going to happen from here. And it really, the pace picks up from there on. I mean, they said that like the first, like the trailers only showed like the first like fifteen minutes or thirty minutes of the movie and in one a, interview. They, they were not that. lying. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did a great job of that. When Cap did that, when he's holding the thing, he goes, you know, and they said like the plan's gonna work, and he goes, I know, because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. I thought that was gonna be like one of his like most impactful lines towards the end of the movie, and then no, it was like eleven minutes in. Here we are. Right, and that same thing with the reunion of Cap and Tony, like they made it seem like he was stranded out there for however long, more than 20 some odd days and their reunion, which is something I felt like was going to be a big thing really wasn't like they had that one scene. But outside of that, I, I had built up this whole thing in my head Mm -hmm. where it was going to be this crazy reunion and, and they were going to get into it with each other and figure it out. But no, it happens within like the first 15 minutes of the movie they have their thing and then they go on about their day. Like it was not as big as a, as what I thought it was. And Tony being stranded in space was not a big crux of what I thought it was. But based on the trailers, it certainly looked like it could have yeah. been. So like they did a really good job of giving me enough to be interested and not giving away anything of like super importance. No, yeah, they let us they let us uh, make up our own minds about what how the story was going to go. And I told uh, I told my brothers when I took them to see it, I said, any predictions you have going in based on stuff you've seen, just throw them out. Just throw them all out yeah. because there's you're not I, I I consider myself to be a pretty astute observer of these films and stuff, and I could not have predicted half of what they did in this movie. What I like about Tony and and Steve's relationship as it's evolved is I feel like in this moment in particular where you really get to see how often. They are both right and they are both wrong in so many ways together. Because Tony's frustration and anger is justified, but he also never takes a second to ask what Cap was doing down on Earth. He doesn't know that Cap led this whole fight against Thanos on Earth, and he never bothered to ask. But he's not wrong in being angry, Mm -hmm. and that's where... Yeah, if Cap was an emotional character, you would see him go, well, what the hell are you talking about? I We had a huge fight down here. Where the hell were you? Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. And I yeah. like that. I like that you can look at them and go, 
you're both dumb. Yeah. You're he, both kind of dumb. He could have he could have thrown it in his face and said, "Well, if you hadn't have flown off to space, exactly, with you know Doctor Strange and and the kid, we could have had you here and we could have been united here." But I think that I on. think that's them or the filmmakers giving the audience more of what they want. We don't want to see those two fighting. Mm-hmm. We want to see them together. So they both uh, kind of gravitate to their strengths and move on, which is what they need to do. Uh, they're they're a great dynamic. And you really see that evolve over time. I like that. What did you think of it? Did you have a build-up for Tony and Steve finally meeting? Uh, I f- no, I didn't because I didn't. Uh, uh, my expectations for this movie were shattered pretty much within the first five minutes of the movie. And whenever we saw, whenever we saw Cap and Tony meet, I'm like, okay, maybe they're gonna, maybe they're gonna finally make amends here, but they don't. And the truth is, is that yeah. You guys are right. Uh, there's been so much, so much core development here of both Captain, Captain, and Tony, that it's really, it, it, it's. I was left speechless because they were just. It's like the rivalry is still there, even though they've lost, and now it's probably even more so, even more so, uh, when up until up until after the five years. I mean, even when they meet five years later. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, it, it'll, it, it never went away, per se. Yeah, they're a yin and yang type they're, of thing. They're, they're a yin and yang type of thing. So to answer your question, so to answer your question, uh, was I expecting the rivalry to still be there? Yes and no. I was hoping for them to, like, maybe consult, maybe, what, what's the term? Uh, make amends? Make amends. But... That does not happen right away. No, takes a while. Takes a while. One of my favorite moments was also one of my most expect un- unexpected moments when um, right after the title cards, you know, they have this big uh, hyped up moment, crescendo of the music, and Cap says, "Let's go get this son of a bitch," mm-hmm. and then they go to whatever planet Thanos was on, and Thor slices his head off. And his arm it's 15 off. to 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Who cares about his arm? He's going like his head. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. yeah they just it totally blew up my expectations of what's going to happen for the next two and a half hours. Because no one... I wouldn't have guessed that Thanos would die that early. No. no. And to, to talk about the, the trailers for a minute, they never even somewhat implied that time travel would come into play with these movies. No. Or this movie. So that was... A big moment for me in this in this first yeah. part. Jaw dropped. Yeah. In the middle of when that happened, and I went, "What are they gonna do for the next? This is a three-hour movie, do we? <laughs> Bro, we less than half an hour into it. What's yeah. gonna happen? Yeah. Oh, and Thor Where does it because Thanos just told him I blew up the stones. So Thor's thinking, well, then what good are you? Yeah. Slice. Yeah, you're no use to us anymore. And it's great because it sets up a lot of the threads that you're gonna get throughout the rest of the movie, just in that little moment, mm-hmm. especially Thor's. Yeah, Gary, what's what's your favorite? No, oh, I did mine. Mine was Tony yeah, and Kevin. Oh, well, I think I'm we sorry. all managed to go through our favorite. I thought uh, yours was building first. off of his. Oh, mine. Uh, so then, mine is really really simple. <clears throat> I have. Uh, I just really love Cap in the. I guess what would you call it? Self help group. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know where he's nice. just kind of with a group of just regular folks. One of them being um, one of the directors, Joe Russo, and it's just a great, like heartfelt, like really down to earth moment that. Um, kind of shows people trying to move on and it's the kind of moment they can get away with with this with a longer film like this 
and it really kind of adds the sort of like everyday people in because I think we get so used to seeing the super people that we forget about that there's just regular folks going through this and they gave you like a nice little collection of regular people who were who lost loved ones and maybe lost their parents or lost their kids or um you know, lost their either brothers or sisters. You know, it's a real yeah. Great they're trying scene. to move on, and they're Joe trying. Russo's characters talking about how he he went on a date and they can't even get through dinner without crying. Right. Even all this time, and even even five years later, it's still sort of the the world is still crippled, and so you have to imagine that that's only amplified by the thousands of other worlds Captain Marvel mentions that are going through the same things, but don't have the Avengers to clean up the messes that are naturally going to come out of these type of things. Yeah. So it's just a great, that's a great scene. It was very emotional and I was very uh, happy to see those kind of character moments w- w- uh, wove into this film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the second part of this movie, um, where we're about to move to next is where the, the whole pace of the film really changes. And, but I liked seeing so many human moments in the first hour or so. Mm-hmm with each character kind of getting their own spot to shine with with the grief that they share. I mean, we saw Hawkeye turn full evil, basically. Mm -hmm. Or not evil so much as anti-hero. He's going around killing all the bad guys who survived the snap. He's going full punisher mode. to live. Yeah, it's rough. And then Matt is falling apart. It's it's a mess. They all respond and... They all, uh, for what I like of a better number, I guess six of the main Avengers. You know, not counting like War Machine and not counting Rocket or Nebula. They all respond to this situation in very unique, different ways. Yeah, some of them positive and some of them very negative. I was going to say the only good one I saw of anything was uh, Hulk. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Hulk. Hulk found himself. Hulk Hulk found himself. So, um, no, I mean. I think what I what I love about that that part of the movie um, is just how just how down to earth everything got. Yeah, it just it reminds me it, it reminds me a little bit of like oh almost like kind of like you know like right after like a like a tragedy happens you know the first thing we try to do is we try to find like the way to move on mm-hmm. and I like how they're how they are doing it they are setting this up. In a in a in a obviously a made up universe, but they're setting it up in a they're setting it up as if it was a real world situation because mm-hmm. it reminds me like it's kind of like nine eleven mm-hmm. like right after nine eleven you know we were str- like nine eleven happened and I think a year later they had like a major blackout in nine uh, in New York City and there was I think there was very little crime that was reported and people were being civil with each other. Because it's just like they learn. It's like, it's just like they learned how to get along whenever something bad happens. Yeah. So, and you see that with like sometimes you, you see, or and you know, and, and unfortunately they don't really get into it as much. I guess they kind of do with with Hawkeye's character, mm-hmm. the people who will take advantage of a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they present it as a very relatable situation. I mean, uh, any natural disaster or mm-hmm. uh, terrible act like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of innocent people caught in the wake. So things really start to get exciting again when um, probably the most random chance aspect 
of Doctor Strange's 1 in 14 million scenario is when a mouse activates the re-entry sequence for Scott, who's been trapped mm-hmm. in the quantum realm for five years. But to him, five but hours. to him, five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott comes back. He's the first one of the supposed or believed to be vanished to return. He goes and finds Cassie, his daughter, who was five years older. And he's like, what? The streets are like war-torn. Like cars are just dumped. Lawns are overrun. We see that shot of the, the baseball field is just like abandoned. Mm-hmm. A field. It's a stadium. Stadium. It's, not it's like a field. A, it's not like the field's a field empty, too. It's a major league stadium. You see um, the the memorial that yeah. they have out there, where he figure he kind yes. of pieces together what's happened, uh, at least as, as much as he can. So he goes to of the Avengers HQ and drops this idea of the quantum realm to to Cap and 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 Nat, and he decides to hatch this time heist plan. But there's only one person they know of smart enough to do it, and that is Tony. And that's kind of where we are now. What was some of my favorite parts from that section of the film. Anything that has to deal with time Tony tra- Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Both are correct. Sure. Both are correct. Uh, anything that has to deal with time travel. Um, yeah, that's fun. Any time. Yeah, I mean, time travel in film is such is such a fun plot device because a, a lot of things can happen. Yeah, and we get a nice little rundown of like a history of time travel. Yeah, film and, through, they, and they and they do that through and, Scott and and Rhodey. Even even so much as to you know to like call out Back to the Future, such bullshit. But like, um, you're talking about that. We got a we got a Marvel movie to call out Hot Tub Time Machine <laughs> in 2019, which stars Sebastian Stan. Yeah. In it. But like, it just it, what what I find impressive about it is like how they're able to how they're able to just break it down and say this is what we got to do, this is how we got to do it, and that to me, that to me was like where the where the plot like really got really got heated up because in the first hour we had a nice character drive, now we got a nice now we got a plot drive, mm-hmm. and now everything's lit up again. And then framing it as a heist, kind of bringing that element from yeah. Ant-Man, really kind of gives it a, a unique feel to any other Avengers movie. Like, the Avengers haven't had any kind of mission like this, where it's like, we're going to go collect something. Mm-hmm. Like, it was Thanos collecting stones for now they're collecting the stones in a very different way. So, yeah, it made it for a very exciting change of pace from the very emotionally weighted part of the uh, beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to say my favorite aspect of this sequence is, is also related to time travel, just like Andrew's. And it, it's probably each time that the Avengers travel back into a scene from one of the previous films. Yeah. They travel back to, to New York, the Battle of New York in 2012, which was the first Avengers. Thor travels back to Thor Ragnarok. Thor with Rocket travels back to Thor Ra- Or not Ragnarok, the Dark World, mm-hmm. um, to collect the... the which stone did, did... The Reality Stone. Jane had the Reality yeah. Stone. And Rhodey and Nebula travel back to Guardians of the Galaxy we could see Star-Lord dance to Hooked on a Feeling through the, through the I mean, uh, you mean Each uh, of those moments come get your love. sums up my favorite, or Come and Get Your Love, yeah. Yeah. We get to see it without the without the soundtrack version of him just, yeah, him just singing, singing to himself. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. I mostly like, again, I, I liked most of the stuff with Tony Stark throughout this part. You see that he was able to come away with a second chance, unlike other people. Yeah. You know, Pepper didn't die. He and Pepper went off to live their life they had a daughter named morgan um you get to see him being a dad then they come to him and talk to him about this time travel time heist possibility and he's like no that's stupid 
I'm not, I can't even entertain the idea of it happening. So they leave, and then he entertains the idea of it happening. And it works, and he solves the problem. Mm-hmm. And you see his inner struggle of wanting to be the hero that he is and knowing that he can help people, but also the terror of potentially losing everything that he's gained. Mm -hmm. And that struggle is really deep and character-driven. And again, it just shows more of what I feel like isn't highlighted enough for Tony is that he's, he does this weird, he has this weird ability to be such a sarcastic, arrogant dick that you forget that he sacrifices so much most of the time throughout these series Mm -hmm. that he doesn't want to do this but even Pepper's like, you can put this stuff away, but would you be able to rest? And so then he goes back to Avengers after Hulk had <laughs> turned Scott into baby Scott, preteen Scott, and old man Scott during <laughs> this time travel dance. thing. They push, yeah. they push time through Scott yeah. as opposed to Scott through time. And you see him, you see Tony go, bring back everybody that we lost. Let's do, let's do it. I cannot lose what I have found. Not going to happen, mm-hmm. and let's not die trying. And then he brings out the shield. They get over their past issues, and for the greater good, decide we need to make this happen. And so it's just a lot of deep, deep Tony Stark character building that is really interesting to see his dynamic of I'm now a father, but I'm also still this hero that I need to save these people no matter what. He has a real Spider-Man moment of, you know, if you go back to Civil War and what Peter said to him about when he when Peter realized he had these powers, he said, in a new way of saying with great power comes great responsibility, he said, you know, when you have the ability to do something and you don't, then the bad things that happen are because of you. Tony basically would become complicit in the snap if he knows he can potentially fix it and does nothing. My favorite part from this whole thing is the reintroduction of Thor of this <laughs> new Thor, essentially, that has become incredibly self-destructive. <laughs> and it's so... It, I'm, it, 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 it's so great because it just typified... If I felt so... Uh, it, was, it was very much of like... I felt like a very smart audience member watching it because it so typified all the things that I felt from Infinity War of Thor going down this path of, like, vengeance that... He has lost literally everything, and he feels like he has nothing else to lose. And then he fails, and then he gets—he ultimately gets his revenge at the beginning of this movie. But you can see that it does nothing to actually heal the problems that he has. And when Rocket and Hulk go to visit New Asgard, and we get to see Valkyrie again, we get to see Korg and Meek from Thor Ragnarok, and then we get this reveal of overweight. You know, drunk Thor, who has basically given up all premise of being a hero or being a king in any way, threatening kids on Fortnite and you know opening beer bottles with uh, with Stormbreaker. It's just such a great, uh, great counterpoint to what you see with like Bruce, who's taken this loss and used it to better himself in order to like be better for the world. Thor's gone the complete other direction, and it really showcased the what we talked about the other week of Chris Hemsworth being such a dynamic actor to be able to go from being very funny because he was very funny in that moment of kind of like playing off like, oh, yes, you know, I need the cable fixed and I need this and that. 
And then like the second that Hulk says, we can fix this Thanos problem, he just like breaks down. And he's like constantly on the verge of a breakdown throughout the movie. And it was and it was and it was just a great balance of being funny and being heartbreaking at the same time. It's such a unique thing to see in a superhero movie to see like a, a superhero with a crisis of confidence, you know? Yeah. What sucks for Thor is is, you know, each each hero has their own reason why they feel like it's their fault. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Thor was the one with the final shot and he chose poorly. Mm-hmm. He was the one right there when the snap happened, so I see why he feels the weight heavier than the others, and that sucks. Well, and he he dealt the blow. Yeah, that's what he, I'm saying. He, he was, chose poorly. Yeah, he could have dealt the killer blow. None of the other ones can claim that. Yeah. No, uh, he was the last line of defense, and he failed. And he feels like he he doesn't. You know, none of them feel like they can fix it after the stones are gone. Yeah, and he killed him, and he feels like yeah, I killed that guy, but it didn't fix anything. Didn't fix, yeah, it didn't fix the problem that he had deep down, which was he's. You know, ultimately, you know, vengeance and all that is a cancer inside you. Grief. Yeah. Uh, one of the, th- I think, uh, one of the recurring themes in this has to, uh, not just like loss of hope, but also reconciliation. Mm. And, and not just reconciliation with, it, with people, but also with yourself. I think one of the other, mo- one of the other moments in this. Have you said your front? Have you said your moment before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both went through time travel stuff. Okay, so we've all said it. I, I mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. Okay, but if there's more in this section to talk about, go for there, it. There is. There is one more thing yeah, I, want, I want to talk about, and it's there's there's three moments in particular that I that I absolutely adore, and it's with uh, when Thor is back in Asgard, mm-hmm. and he's talking with his mother just before she dies. Mm-hmm. And you know, she, you know, he's he's ba- he's practically saying, you know, am I still worthy? And she's like, oh yes, of course you are. And then of course he gets the he gets the hammer back, and he starts to believe in himself again. That's number one. Number two is when uh, is when Tony and is when Tony and Steve go back go further back in time to the seventies, and. Um, they are they're at the base, and Tony Tony has a heart to heart conversation with his dad, of whom his dad doesn't know that that's actually his son. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we see Jarvis, yeah, like in human form. Yeah, and sadly, it's the last time we see Stan Lee. Yeah, but uh, but it's also another tender moment when we see Steve, not so much interact with Agent Carter, but he sees her again. Mm-hmm. And it, those are just two great moments. There's just two great moments in the movie that just so happen to coincide with one another. And it's, again, it's all about reconciliation. You got to reconcile with yourself. Mm. And I think that's the, I think that's the point of it. I think that's the point of just, you got to, rec- you got to heal yourself before you can move on. Yeah. We've talked a lot about grief in this section, as we did with the first. But there is a lot of, of humor in this part of the movie as it well. Is so yeah. and, funny. And a lot of uh, real, like, fist pump, jump in the air, and scream moments. A couple that come to mind, uh, in particular, revolve around, around Steve, who has this amazing moment where he's in the elevator with the scepter and all the oh, shield man. agents. 
And you're thinking at this point, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, we're going to get another amazing elevator fight like in The Winter Soldier. Yeah, you think they're going to recreate that scene. But what Steve knows that these guys don't know is that he knows S.H.I.E.L.D. has been infiltrated by Hydra. So he drops that yeah. Hail Hydra whisper into the the S.H.I.E.L.D. soldier's ear. And they're like, what? They, and they all, just give him the all scepter because like, what do you do? They're all like, oh, dope. Like, Captain America's Hydra. And they just give him the scepter. It's great. I I, I remember when we, when we saw that. I don't know what y'all's reaction was. I like the theater reaction was. Yeah. That got a big reaction. Oh, it's it cool. It, it's it a cool, yeah. And I just, I, it took me a while to figure out, like, Hail Hydra, I know Hydra's a part of it. What exactly is it? And then... <laughs> And then I read a little bit later. I'm like, oh, there's what Hydra is. So, good on Steve. You I forgot did. about Hydra? I did. <laughs> I hit him with a pillow for the audio audience. <laughs> yeah, goodness. No, yeah, my my theater like applauded, and I remember saying out loud, "That's awesome." Yeah, like that's cool. That Steve like out like like masterfully outwitting the moment as opposed to taking like he could have had a fight. He could have just beat all those guys up, but instead he just like drops that one thing. And it's so funny because, like, a few years ago, it was in the comics, right? Mm-hmm. Cap saying Hell Hydra. So, like, a, one of the most controversial moments in the comics becomes, like, this epic moment in the movies. Yeah. I also enjoyed going back to more of the time travel and Steve. Um, when Iron Man and Ant-Man are on, uh, they're basically breaking into the end of them capturing Loki to get the scepter. Uh, or the Tesseract is what they're after. Um, Tony comes on the comms and goes, Steve... This suit really does nothing for your ass. And Ant-Man goes, you look great. That's America's ass as far as I'm concerned. And then as the scene progresses, they uh, get the scepter. Steve runs into his old former self, and they have this battle. Current Steve beats up other Steve, and he just happens to see himself in the suit, and he goes... That is America's ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's great to me is that this movie is loaded, so loaded with great writing that that line overshadows another great part to me when when past Cap says, I can do this all day. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's a much older, much more grumpier Cap. Like, I, mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's such. He is very over the top in the first event. Yeah, he's movie. very Mister America so, at that point. And he's just like, come on, yeah, I can yeah. do this all day. You know, yeah. there's that. There's and then, um, I I'm still like in love with like the minute. So like right at the end of what uh, of what uh, Andrew described, Thor gets the hammer back and he's holding the hammer, and then like you start to hear uh, Red Bones come and get your love start playing, yeah. and then they transition over to Guardians of the Galaxy and. And I was like getting into it again. I was like, yeah, you know, dancing around in my seat. And then like the music cuts out and you just see Chris Pratt just yeah. to himself. It's great. There's such an amazing Hilarious. amount of like fan service in the movie. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And as a fan, I wanted to, I felt served. It yeah. felt good. This is definitely a movie catered towards the people who have been a part of this fandom for yeah. the last 11 years or whatever. Um, so they did a good job of. Tying, doing all of that, giving us what we wanted, and like really appreciating everybody that's helped them go through there. Uh, back to to your scene, I really thought that the dynamic between War Machine and Nebula was pretty funny. Um, Nebula's so deadpan; she's basically like Drax in this situation mm-hmm. with Rhodey, who's pretty funny. They are watching Star Lord dance around, yeah. 
And this is Rhodey's first time really interacting with him. He just looks at Nebula and goes, so he's an idiot. And she's like, yes, yes. And then they (laughs) knock him out and they're walking into the Power Stone. And throughout this whole movie, they've brought up like Back to the Future a bunch of times. And they go through like rules of time travel based on Back to the Future and all these other time travel movies. And so Nebula starts walking into this Power Stone temple and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is where, like, spikes with he- and skeletons and stuff comes on. Yeah, Rhodey watches a lot of movies. He was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you go into the Temple of the Power, to- or Power Stone, you're going to get some booby traps. And she just walks right in. He's like, okay, okay, whatever. whatever. I got to gotta wonder if another part of... Um, so they spend so much time in this movie having the characters argue about time travel movies. And I, and I almost wonder if this is the Russo brothers and, and the screenwriters saying... We know that you're going to pick this apart yeah. because time travel movies get picked apart, right. and we could inevitably find plot holes and ways that it won't work because time travel is messy. And they're saying, "I get it, I know it. Yeah, it's just we're going to argue about it in yeah. front of you, so you don't have to." Like, yeah, and it's like we're going to give you all the examples of the movies you're going to compare yeah. it to anyway. They do literally that. All you the know? examples. So of why like, here's wrong. all these things. It's kind of funny though because they say Terminator as like one of the movies where like you go in the past and you change the future, but that's like an example of self fulfilling futures. Uh, you know, because, you know, John Connor sends what essentially is a man back who impregnates his mom and becomes his dad. So essentially he has to send his dad back in time to impregnate his mother. And vice versa, the Terminator is only created because part of the Terminator gets picked up in the past mm-hmm. after it's destroyed. So, like, the, the pad, like it fulfills itself. It's not really a go back in time and make your dad cool like in Back to the Future situation well, for or Hot Tub Time Machine for that matter. For me, I feel like what they were doing is because all of these time travel movies do kind of follow the same structure and this one didn't, I think they were saying this is what you think is going to happen. Like for me, when I found out that they were going to go back in time, immediately I thought, okay, they're going to get the stones and then they're going to change the whole dynamic of this entire structure of like he can't get the stones because they have the stones, but that's not what they did. Like... They basically made it, yes, you can go back and do all this stuff, but, like, it's not going to undo everything that's already been done. And I think that's what people think mm-hmm. whenever they go, time travel movie. Okay, they're just going to go back in time and set it right, and then the whole thing is going to change. And that's not what happened. Yeah. And right. so I think it was really important for them to set that up because that is where your mind goes based on Hot Tub Time Machine, Back to the Future, A Wrinkle in Time, all of these time movies that they mention. Right. And they didn't follow that structure. And, yeah. and we got and, that explained so many times. And, yeah, Professor Bruce kind of explains it best. Well, Tilda Swinton's character explained it to him. He explains it, and then he kind of re-explains it to her. Like they kind of like they're kind of like arguing over like the the details mm-hmm. because you know uh, Professor Hulk or whatever you want to call him, he basically explains that like if we go back in time and take the stones away then Thanos never gets the stones and never snaps. But because Thanos never snaps, we would never go back in time to take the stones. So, like, we have to put them back exactly where we took them from, like, within, like, a second of taking them in order for everything to work. So it's very, it's a little confusing, but it's also, like, they have a very strict scenario. And and, and Bruce shows kind of the example. He says, like, we're, I'm going to take this thing, and then in, like, one second, you're going to see me come back with it. Like I'm not gonna have it for long, and so, and you kind of get we get and we get a little implication that like uh, we get a little more background information on Doctor Strange in that scene where like the Ancient One knew all along that Doctor Strange is gonna come along and kind of like knows the future fairly well. Um, so that's really great. Some of the one other one other scene we didn't talk about in that section is one of the big ones 
one of the ones that you have to throw spoiler warnings up for is Natasha sacrificing. Yeah. Back to grief. I'm sorry, but uh, brought it back down again. It's a it's a devastatingly, uh, I think, pretty well done scene. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. It is. It was a it was a rough bit, rough spot of tea. There's (laughs) there's two (laughs) major death sequences in this in this movie. We'll get to the second or the, the the last one later, but between the two, this one I think was more heart wrenching for me. Because not not more upsetting, mm-hmm. more heart wrenching, because of the fact that you see Clint and Nat fight over who is going to die. They both mean that so much is to each so other. Hard to watch, and it's like, you know, from Clint's perspective, he's like, "I want to do this because what else do I have? I've already lost my entire family. I went down this dark road and started killing all these people. Like I have made some big time mistakes, and this is not." I don't want to do this. I I want to make this sacrifice. And Nat's like, you guys are my family. And I think deep down she knows that if they succeed, his family will return. That's weird. And so she's like, no, I'm not going to let you do this because you have a family. Whereas this is my family. These guys are my family. So bringing them back means more to me. Whereas you have people that are coming back. And I do too, but not in the same way. You get, yeah. Yeah. You and, get it. Their fight, or their fight, is is right. It's it's so upsetting and so just devastating. You don't know who's gonna make that final sacrifice because Clint initially goes off the cliff and you think that he's doing it, and then all of a sudden Nat shows up, deploys his little whatever he his like uh, hook, yeah, it's a grappling into hook a wall thing. He's just like grip holding onto her, and she just kicks herself off the wall and plummets like Gamora did. In, to the uh, same Infinity music War. too. Yeah, like I the same what, the same music swell comes in. What makes it even more surprising that there is this fight between the two is that the film chose to have Hawkeye be the one who does the successful time travel time travel test, and he sees his family again. So he's the first one to really reconcile the fact that it's possible. So it is surprising to see him now willing to sacrifice himself when he knows he can get his family back. And I think that that made it even more um, intense and more shocking when when he initially hit her and runs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely like we know Nat doesn't have anything. No, else. and it's such a great you get so many completions of like ba- of like little tiny things that they gave us even back in the first Avengers movie. I'll talk about one in a second, but for Nat, it's this is kind of the moment for the most part she's been looking for. I think ever since she implies that Hawkeye rescued her mm-hmm. from basically being a, a spy operative is that she got a second chance to do to do to do right instead of be a you know bad guy and she gets this she's during this five-year period she's been the one who stepped up to be a leader it seems like she's the one coordinating all these events around the world to try to make sure that somebody's there to take care of people and this is like her ultimate moment to like this is my time to lay to lay my life down you know like she's been trying to wipe out the guilt that she's had for all the pain she's caused in the past and here's her moment to bring back life as opposed to take life there was a line in the first avengers movie where she talks about having read in her ledger and she wanted to wipe it out and i think she kind of viewed this as the ultimate moment of wiping out all that red by giving bringing back so much and so it's a it's a great final moment for her and we get to you know, and we'll see something else here soon, I guess, if they've got this Black Widow movie in the pike. It 
it must be f- f- denial for me. I don't know about the rest of you guys. But for, you know, coming out of Infinity War, we all know that the only way to get the Soul Stone is to sacrifice a life. Yep. Mm. But I certainly didn't think one of them was going to die when they got there. Yeah. It still was something I was... I, I, and I guess it's a do- denial because I knew the Soul Stone yeah. is a soul for a soul. We, mm-hmm. I, yeah, we think we forget about it. I, yeah, because forgot, or that they would scheme a way to get it. For me, I had to kill his dog. I thought a scheme because I was like, they've already lost so much. Maybe they can play on that. Of like, Clint's already lost his entire family. Like, give him the stone, dude. <laughs> Red Skull, you dick. Yeah. Now I realized what was going to happen very early on. My wife can atone. My, my wife can attest. Excuse me. Um, when they, when, when, when Clint and and Black Widow and Nebula and War Machine all poof down in Guardians of the Galaxy, and they say, "Okay, go to Voromir," and it's like Black Widow and Hawkeye got into a ship. I audibly gasped very loudly and said, "Oh no!" And my wife goes, "What? What?" And I was like, "You'll see," because like I, it hit me like. It's got to be a soul for a soul. Like, that's going to happen. And it was a while getting to that moment. Like, they, they they sent them off, and then they didn't come back for a little while. And then they finally came back, and I was, like, all filled with dread again. I was like, one of them, one of them's not making it out of this. This is going to be bad. And I was like, I don't know which one it's going to be, but it's uh, in my mind, it's probably going to be Natasha. I, I had the same feeling, because... You didn't even remember who Hydra was. You didn't know what was going on. You were like, who's this red-faced fella? <laughs> <laughs> nah, he remembers the first Avenger. <laughs> say what you were going to say. I don't remember. Oh, of course you don't. No, like, um, I mean, when they had to go retrieve, when they were going to go to retrieve the stones, and they're saying, we're going to jet out to go, to go get the soul stone... It's it's inevitable what's going to happen. So, I, did I think the fight was going to ensue? No. No. I did not see the fight coming. I really... I personally thought that it was going to be... I personally thought that it was it was going to be uh, Hawkeye. I thought Hawkeye was doomed for sure. Did not see Natasha coming. So, yeah, it was a genuine shock. No, there was a moment where I thought Hawkeye was just gonna like that he was gonna tell him that, and Hawkeye was just gonna throw her off immediately. There was like a little part of me that was worried that he had gone so so far. He was just gonna be like, "All right, oh, I want my family this <laughs> bad. I want my family back bad. You're going off, Italian. She was gonna be or Natasha, and he was gonna be like, "Whoa, oh, wait a minute, let's talk this out." Well, this uh, is well, another, oh, sorry, go, no, go ahead. Uh, well, the, another scenario I was thinking of was like both of them will go off, and then mm. only one would appear. Oh, and, that would have been interesting. Whoever hits first, whoever hits first, or whoever hits second, I guess. Yeah, true. So this is where like the big crux of the movie is. Like, there's a lot going on here, but there, I think we're about to transition into the the second or the third third Correct. that we want to talk about. But there's one more thing that we haven't talked about that really sets up the third third, and that's going back to War Machine and Nebula. And this is where 2014 Thanos figures out what's going on and brings him back into the forefront. So 2019 or 2021. Well, Thanos. no, 2024. Yeah, so he's dead. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Dead in the future. Thor done killed him in the first 20 minutes. So they go back in time, and present Nebula is in the same area as 2014 Nebula. 2014 Nebula has this weird projection in front of Thanos, I believe, mm-hmm. and they and it's with Rhodes, and he sees 
them looking for the stone. And he's able to piece together that he was successful in his quest and that they have gone back in time to undo what he did. So from that point, 2014 Nebula, or they are, they're able to capture present Nebula, 2014 Nebula takes all of her facial features off and puts them onto her and goes back into the future pretending to be that Nebula. Mm-hmm. That's a really important part because it sets up the third third that we're about to talk into when everybody has come back, they all have the successful stones, and but along with that, I'll turn it over back over to Jack. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, everybody's back. Um, Tony has built a Iron Man style gauntlet to assemble the stones. He does so. There's a fight over who should do it. Thor wants to do it, but Thor is in no state. Hulk finally steps up. I not finally. He does step up and say, "I have to do it." It's gamma radiation. Gamma radiation is is who I am. It's like I was born for this. He snaps. Um, Hawkeye, Clint's wife calls him. Mm-hmm. Scott goes out to the window and sees there are birds. Animals are back. And he says, I think it worked. And then at that moment, the Avengers HQ is demolished. It's so destroyed that I think you could legitimately critique the fact that they all survived that blast. <laughs> yeah, That is, very, seems a bit of a stretch even for this movie. Yeah, it was a very, like, they're very fortunate, like, that they're all, like, for the most part, super people. Yeah. The exceptional, like, Hawkeye. But Ant-Man. they're not. Not all of them. Yeah. Some of them aren't. Yeah, it's, as the snap happens, as Hulk's snap happens, the, uh, I don't remember what the name of his ship is, but Thanos' ship, or maybe multiple ships, comes through the time portal because right at the same moment. Yeah, because Nebula opened up the gates. And it just and it just bursts through the, the roof and into the sky and is in position. So, like, they think they've won. And Hulk, like, looks up in, like, the last moment and sees this big blast coming right at them. And just devastates the entire Avengers facility. And, yeah, they, like, fall through the floor. Like, Hulk and Rocket and War Machine specifically fall, like, way down into the Earth. Um Cap and Tony don't seem to fall that far. They seem to, if anything, get moved just over to the side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then our big battle begins. Yeah, this is like, the, this final act is almost all a big battle. Mm-hmm. So what What if, there are so many uh, huge fan service moments in this um, section of the film. There's probably, uh, there's so many that I think there's a good chance we all say something different, but there's also a good chance we all say the same thing. Oh, yeah. So, well, I can, and there's a good chance. If you, th- if you say one, I can easily think yeah. of another one. Let's, let's, yeah. let's save, like, the main surprise thing for, like, the final talk. I don't know what, did there's so many, I don't well, know what you mean. The, the the last death that we mentioned. Oh, see, that wasn't what I was thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so let, yeah, let's just go around and, and say favorite ones. Then I do not want to go first. I'll, I'll go first, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say a different one. Or I'll say <laughs> a different it. element. This there's a moment in this thing that's just like a big. It's just a splash page. It's just like the middle of a comic book where you open it up and there's a yeah. big fight going on. There's like 80 characters on screen and there's people up here doing this and there's people down here doing that and there's people colliding in the back. And if you look carefully, you can oh, there's that character. It's one of those moments. Um, probably. My favorite of the of the of what could be considered the fan service moment, but also it's just like a perfectly echoes everything that is a fan you love is like hearing a line that you remember hearing the first time, and it's when Cap and 
Tony and Thor, they've been fighting Thanos tooth and nail, and all of a sudden Thanos calls in this massive army with all his minions, and all the children of Thanos are back, and here we are, It's and it's just Cap standing alone. Like, Thor's over here, Tony's over there, Cap by himself is standing alone with his shattered shield, and all of a sudden he starts to hear a voice, and it's Sam's voice, and he says, Cap, can you hear me? And he says, on your left. And then you start to see the portal open up in the background and out walks T'Challa and Shuri and uh, Okoye. And then Sam flies through and it's this big, like, huge moment. I remember being so, like, I was I was breathing very heavily. I was crying profusely. He, he goes, on your left, and I just went, yes! And then, like, everything starts happening. What an incredible little moment. I remember I started shaking whenever <laughs> I saw that. Like... The hair, the hairs right now are sticking up on my arms as we speak, because it was just such a. I think that was when it became an epic moment. Like, oh, yeah. like, like the movie went from, the movie went from comic to epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll say one of my moments was was just was tied to that. I was super hyped at that, and since we're all letting our nerd flags fly really hard right now. <laughs> When that moment climaxed with Cap saying Avengers Assemble, yeah. I, I kid you not, I burst into tears. <laughs> Just that, uncontrollable tears of joy and, and happiness. And there were so many that people moment that came out. That moment goes to another moment, and I'll tie these together. Yay, so much when, tying. When uh, the Thanos and Thor are fighting, and he Thanos has been able to grab Stormbreaker and is shoving it into Cap's or, uh, Thor's chest, all you see... Is the hammer rise? And this is after everybody has... So you know people are back. At that moment, I was confident, no question in my mind, that it was the return of Vision, and that Vision was going to come back and smash it down, and I was going to be like, yes! So the the hammer flies and hits Thanos, returns back to its owner, and it's Captain America, and I was flabbergasted and my first instinct was I bet David just shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody the funny did. thing is the yeah. funny thing is in my theater, the entire audience cheered out loud yeah. and I stood sat in stunned silence. Yeah. Like I felt bad because everybody went, Whoa and I went yeah. Like I just gasped. I couldn't breathe. So then then he's conjuring lightning and he's oh. fighting him with the shield and the hammer. You think he'd always had his hammer. Yeah. And he Thor's would. Thor's like, I knew it. And you see them fighting and doing all this stuff, and then going back to your part, the you see the whole line of returning Avengers, and you hear Cap yell, Avengers, and then the hammer comes back into him and he chunks and then he goes, Assemble. And I went, Oh shit. And I cried a lot. <laughs> yep. It, it takes so much <laughs> to not just get hyped yeah. and like jump up and be like, I'm going to go to war too, man. I don't got nothing. I'm ready to it's punch so, the guy next to me. It's so <laughs> just great. Just being there. It's so great too because it's not even just the Avengers. Like, they are like, there are like Asgardian soldiers, wizards from Doctor Strange. There's a, I, I actually caught this the second time. There's Ravagers from the Guardians movies mm. are coming out of these portals. Like, Everybody who has a stake in this fight Bucky's is coming out. Oh, the machine wa- gun. Wakandan yeah. soldiers are coming out. Like everybody yeah. is here for this fight. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah. Favorite little moment or favorite moment in there? I don't remember. I fell asleep. <laughs> 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 no, uh, 
You guys pretty much named them all. Like, oh, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, I got more. You could pick more. I got more. You didn't though. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like, no. I mean, my honestly, my favorite moment was when was when Cap picked up the uh, Cap picked up the uh, the hammer. Mm-hmm. When Cap picked you up the me. hammer, I didn't know who that was. I, I just thought that like, I just thought that uh, Thor was going for it. And then when it came back to Cap's hand, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell's <laughs> happening? And I know I just dropped the F bomb. <laughs> You can cut that. I was going to say, Andrew, you could have used your one word you can, this time. I think it was more appropriate. You can just cut that. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, I think another moment that I really loved was when all the women assembled. Ooh. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Also, and, also, yes. also got a tear from Garrett. That yes. was a cool yeah, moment. Just when Captain well, Marvel took the glove and said, you know, said, how are you going to do this alone? Then they all showed up and, sit, and they just said, she, uh, she has help. Yeah. yeah, and it was like it was kind of funny because like one showed up and then another, and then it was like, they, wow, they have a lot more female characters showing up than I even yeah thought that you know like, and that's minus Black Widow obviously right now, and so it was like a really cool moment of like, yeah. wow, they've really it's such a choice. Yeah, it's such a choice. It is because it, it 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 partially doesn't make sense that none of the male heroes would come over and help out too. But it's like, but it's such a cool moment. Yeah, it was it's like too hard to pass up on. Purpose. And I'm gonna say my uh, A Force thing is looking real good right now. Yeah. from my bold predictions of an all female Avengers movie, that yeah. might happen sooner rather than later. How about Wanda's showdown oh, with Thanos? Man, it's so great. Wanda gets her her kind of vengeance moment even though she doesn't get to she doesn't get to finish him she's just tearing thanos right up. and she would have if the if he hadn't ordered the ship to yeah to open fire because yeah. she about had all his armor ripped off him. how about this is a really small moment but i literally yelled hell yeah when uh giant man punched, <laughs> punched the hell out of that slug right out of the air i was like yeah get it he just knocked it he just <laughs> punched a guy and when he oh go ahead i was gonna say there was a guy who when um when cap grabbed the hammer and it, you know we see him see him this guy behind me goes that was dope <laughs> <laughs> and it was it's so hard not it to react dope. like that to some of these moments yeah. um there's a little moment where, where <laughs> dr strange says is that everybody and wong's like you want more? And then Giant Man erupts from beneath the rubble yeah. of the building, and he's like, gotta be over 100 feet tall now. And he like lets Thor and Rocket and War Machine out, and it's like, okay. And then Cap's like, all right, now we got everybody. Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, I also liked, I, I, just real quick, we don't have to talk about all of them, but like the reunion of Tony and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. You get to see uh, it, caught, nice. it going back to uh, Homecoming, where they have that scene where Tony's reaching for the door and Peter goes to give him a hug and he's like, no, 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 not hugging, just mm-hmm. opening the door. And so they finally reconnect and Tony goes in for the hug after he sees Peter for the first time and he's like, oh, this is nice. And so that was really nice and touching. Um, the interaction between Tony and Doctor Strange where he's like, you told me that one in 14 million chance, tell me that this is it. And it he's won't. like, if I tell you what happens, it won't, it won't happen. happen. And then the battle continues they see each other again, and Doctor Strange doesn't say anything, but he looks at Tony and just holds up the index finger indicating one, and that sets up something that happens that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about we've so already many, said like, that Tony died. Well, that's true, but <laughs> yeah. I figured that would be a bigger discussion, so yeah, as we're it, ready it, to go it, to it, 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 I was just going to leave it hanging. Some other little tiny things. We get Pepper in an Iron Man suit. Nah, yeah. That was pretty cool. That's in my we hot get, take. I don't care about it. <laughs> 
We get um what was the other thing I was just going to say? Um we get uh uh, oh, we get like a nice like uh, Ant Man and Wasp moment, which was yeah. kind of cool. Them trying to figure it out, and them both saying like, "You got it, Cap!" Like they're both so excited to be superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just there's so many moments in that last. I don't even know how long that part of the movie is. It feels it, like a full hour. It, it, <laughs> it feels like it, but it but it doesn't. I want to say, it's, it's, but it feels, but it yeah, it feels it's incredibly fast paced. I want to I want to say it's probably like a good forty five minutes at least. It feels like it. Maybe. maybe maybe half an hour. I don't know. I wasn't uh, really keeping count. I remember like, when everything was happening. I remember when Peter's swinging around with the gauntlet, and he's like, you know, being caught by Valkyrie, and he's like flying on this winged horse over this massive battlefield, and like Pepper Potts is is flying by. At the same time, I was like, good grief, they are going everywhere with this movie. They're like doing any of everything. I just felt like it was just felt so cool. And then we didn't even talk about Captain Marvel slamming down. Yeah, she comes back. She, like, annihilates the ship by herself. Yeah. And she has, I mean, how great was it when Thanos headbutts her and she doesn't even flinch? Doesn't even flinch. Yeah. How about that new haircut, too? It's great. Yeah. She looks it's badass. different. <laughs> I mean, I know that it's how she looks in the comics, but it is, it takes adjustments for me. And she, like, that hair is... And she has such, like, a little charming... <laughs> she has, like, such a charming interaction with Peter Parker. Hey, where Peter. She just she lands down, and he, yeah, she's just like, hey, Peter Parker, and he's just like, uh, I'm scared. Can you take this collar? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really cool. Um, so, yeah, we don't need to list everything. No. But before we talk about the one last thing, I feel like we need to bring back a, a quick thing. As we talked about him a lot in the last movie, what would you guys think of Thanos in this movie? Um, I feel like in the, in the first movie, he was very developed. Mm-hmm. Here, he's... I mean, he's just, he's just being Thanos. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is... <laughs> What? <laughs> now hang on, hang on. Let me let me clarify. Please, please. Okay. In the first movie, we get a nice, good character development of Thanos mm-hmm. as the main villain that we have. That you know, we see his intentions. We see his intentions through and through. Here, we know his intentions. We know his intentions, but it's just like, all right, this is the guy they have to kill. How are they going to do it? Yeah, I feel like there yeah. wasn't. I feel like there wasn't a lot of attention paid to Thanos. Well, I mean, there wasn't a lot of screen time for Thanos. Not in this one. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously Thanos is still the villain. Yeah. But the main focus of this movie is really just getting the stones back and reversing everything. Yeah. The important part about Thanos in this movie, to me, is that he sees through Nebula's projections that he completes his tasks. He does what he wants. But then he gets sloppy and decides he wants it faster. And so once he decides he wants to just let the Avengers do his work for him and simply take them when he, they've collected them all, that is his fatal error. Yeah. And so you see him get sloppy, and that's what I think. Yeah, you see, I, I described it as Thanos in Infinity War is, I mean, he's, he's older. He's become wise at this point, I guess. And he's very patient. He's very patient and methodical. This one's this younger Thanos, not that much younger, but younger Thanos, very impatient. Yeah, he doesn't very, have any of the stones yet. Very aggressive, and he goes for it. And I mean, he, I mean, he has a very patient moment where he just tells Nebula, "Go find the stone, go find that gauntlet, and I'll wait, and I'll fight off whoever I have to fight off." But he seems to be much. He was much more trying to kill people in this movie versus the last movie where he was kind of just like fighting because people were in his way. You know, yeah. like he wasn't like, I don't care about killing Tony Stark. I don't care about doing this. I just need to get that stone and I'm going to leave. And 
this one he became very it became very personal for him. Yeah, and I I have to say I like Infinity War Thanos a lot more than I like this uh, than I like Endgame Thanos. Yeah, but I mean it's just because of the development, right? I, I'm I'm a sucker for character development, and even when it comes to villains. And it's kind of nice that like it almost like makes sense. Like of course he's not developed. This is not the same Thanos that we had, so he hasn't gone through the development that we see in the prior movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a it's it's kind of unique in that sense that we get like we get to, it would it I don't know it's a real different yeah. Thanos yeah but still good because it still end up being a great fight and we still wanted to see him lose mm-hmm. yeah all right let's talk about Tony yeah um, he dies <laughs> he does <laughs> die as everybody guessed Tony, Tony Stark does. Um, Looks in, in the middle of the fight with Thanos. Looks over at Strange, who puts up one finger, symbolizing that this is the path we're on. It you have to do what you know you have to do. He lunges at Thanos. Somehow in the struggle, he gets the stones away, but Thanos doesn't know it. Thanos says, "I am inevitable," and snaps, and nothing happens. And then Tony says, "I am Iron Man." And snaps. You see, you see the stones and like assembled inside onto his glove in his little nanobots, like assembled them in like the perfect spot. Yeah, you know when uh, it takes Tilda's, it out of him. Tilda Swinton smacks Bruce out of Hulk's body. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching from floating, above, floating behind. When he said, "I am Iron Man." So you said that everybody predicted Tony was going to die. That is incorrect. I did because. This was me. Last, I still feel like he was the obvious death. But last episode, I talked about how I was ready for him to die in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he got stabbed, I was not ready for him to die in Infinity War. Uh, this, going into it, I thought that they were going to revert back to the obvious death would be Captain America because that's what everybody thinks. And I thought that he was going to be the one that ends up dying and that Tony would go off into the sunset as the first Avenger that they set up. And they were going to give him his life, especially when he had his life with Pepper and, and with uh, Morgan. I thought that he was going to go off and live his life as Tony rather than uh, die. So when I was I was prepared for him to not die in this one, um, thinking that it was going to go that route. And so whenever he did, I could not contain myself. I did except you. Did. No, no, no. I did. I did. Uh, I did uh, physically. But my eye works were uncontrollable, just tears. But like my reaction the first time I saw it was uh, not good. It was just like focused, staring, don't move, don't move, don't move, because if you move, you're going to lose it. So I just stared at the theater. The second time I saw it, I cried into a paper towel so much that I had to uh, wring it. <laughs> it was gross. I did not cry. It was, uh, it's not, I don't really cry in movies much. Um, and it's not necessarily because I'm not uh, emotional. I was definitely emotional while watching it. I just have a hard time uh, physically crying. And, uh, and but I, I, I just sat there sort of dumbfounded and just kind of thought, like, it, it feels right. Like, if you're going to send out a character like Tony Stark, you have to do it in this level, of, like this, a mag- situation of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. He, he snaps, and it wipes out. I, I guess the best way to think about it is it wipes out all the people that shouldn't be in this future. You know, so like Thanos and all his minions, they shouldn't be here. They're all, and so they all disappear. I'm not sure if they're dead, but they definitely are. They definitely get dusted out of this reality or out of this timeline. And it's this massive climactic moment. And if you're going to send him out, that's how you send him out. And they call back to the line you mentioned earlier. Pepper tells him 
that they're going to be okay and that he can rest now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what got most people is is the idea that Tony can finally rest. Like, he's done what he set out to do from the first Iron Man movie, which was to correct his legacy and correct what people think of when they hear his name. And I think he's done it. He's now become, as far as the Avengers are concerned, the ultimate... Uh, like a word you associate with self-sacrifice and, mm. you know, putting the the rest of the world ahead of yourself. Josh, you showed me a picture of a meme earlier of one of their arguments in Civil War where Cap says, what does Cap say to Tony? I don't remember. Something about you're not the guy to lay down on your, on the, You're not the whatever. one to make the sacrifice. Yeah. Me. And then he says, what makes you special is that you came out of a bar, everything, everything that makes you special you came, came out of a bottle. bottle. Yeah. And then underneath it, it shows... The um, him holding the hammer, so show that he is worthy, and then Tony being dead and snapping. I thought it was a good meme. Yeah, it is a good callback to their initial sort of disagreement. I agree. I agree. It's a very powerful moment. Finishes that. So, they go to the funeral. Or go yeah, ahead. From there you on, yeah. The day is saved. The world is saved. Uh, of course, not back to normal. But saved. Um, we go to back to Tony's little house on the lake where a funeral of sorts has been assembled. We see Tony's arc reactor put on a wreath and, and put out to float on the pond. Then we see this nice tracking shot of so many people who were important to Tony's character throughout the years. Obviously all the Avengers. Um, pretty much everyone. Then some of the more specific ones being the kid from uh, from Iron Man 3 yeah. who we spent so much time with who most people was like, who is that kid? Yeah, um, it was kind of a really, uh, like a, a cameo they didn't have to put in there, but really cool. No, it was it was a nice, again, epic fan service. Yeah. And then, you know, you got William Hurt in the background, you got Colby yeah. Smulders. You got the, yeah, you got the mains from, like, each franchise. Then you, you go up to see Captain Marvel sitting on or standing on the the porch and then out comes Nick Fury making his first appearance in this movie and saying you no almost lines. forget he existed yeah mm-hmm. yeah he comes out and I go oh yeah yeah doesn't yeah. say a word and then um you see happy John Favreau who brought this all together really him and Kevin Feige with that first Iron Man movie mm-hmm. sitting on the on the bench with with Tony's daughter Morgan and this was the moment where I had started to collect myself and then she said she wanted a cheeseburger, and then I lost it again. And he was like, oh, your dad liked cheeseburgers. I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want. Yeah. And then I was just... <laughs> <laughs> Thought I had it, lost it again. Then, then we, we go... Get, we get to see with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. Is that yeah. the next thing on there? Hawkeye and Wanda are talking at the at the uh, like bed of the pond. And, you know, Clint misses Nat. Wanda misses, misses Vision. They They reminisce over that for a little bit. Um, then we go to to Hulk and Falcon and Rhodey and Cap, who are like, okay, there's still work to be done here. We're not finished. Mm-hmm. Cap is, is given the mission to go back in time and put all the stones back where they belong at the moment they were stolen so as to not screw up the the timelines. And he takes uh, Mjolnir back with him. We yeah. have to assume he has to put that back as well. Yeah, you would, yeah, yeah. Because I was I was thinking about that later, and I was like, oh, that would have to go back too. Because then how would Cap or how would Thor ever get his hammer back? Yeah, that's how. 
Um, he goes, y- y- you have as much time as you need for us. It'll be five seconds. See you in a minute. Um, oh, I was going to say something, but I can't remember what he said. There was the second I saw it twice, and the second time I saw it, Cap and, and Bucky have an exchange yeah. that makes me Bucky knew, but think Bucky knew. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was informed. Letting you. me get my thoughts out. <laughs> I was agreeing with you ahead of time. I knew where you were going. You were getting what he said, but he said something, and that you don't really you don't notice it. The he first just time he just says, "I'm going to miss you." Yeah, I think yeah. as well. He says he just says, "I'm going to miss you," and it kind of doesn't make you don't really think about no, it because everybody's like, missing That's a everybody. Weird thing to say. Yeah, everybody's missing everybody right now. And then, yeah, he he knew the second that Steve had a chance to go back in time that he wasn't coming back. Yeah, and he didn't. He did not come back like he was supposed to. We see that he chose to live out his life in the past with with Peggy which is what he always wanted and what he said Tony always told him to do was to get a life. Mm-hmm. So he did. He lived the life of a not superhero yeah. for decades. Yeah, probably like, I don't know, they don't really say when he goes back, but we get a look no. and it seems kind of 50s. You gotta think so. 40s, 50s, somewhere in there based yeah. on the cars and the music. And we see old man Steve, yep. uh, who's probably 90, but only looks maybe 70. Uh, and he gives... I did some math. He'd be awfully old. He'd yeah. be over 100. If it's plus those extra five years. Yeah. And, and that's part of, uh, we would have to assume, the effects of the serum just give him an elongated life, and he looks great. So yeah. he doesn't, like, look 100 years old. He looks maybe 75, 70, and he's he's in pretty good condition, all things considered, for being a 100-year-old man. Gives Sam the, the shield, and, yeah, then we get this flashback to the 50s. And the movie he finally ends. gets his dance with Peggy and credits. And with that, it's been so long. Um, one more thing. Oh, one more thing. One yeah, they more set up thing. Thor, uh, the Guardians, oh, as Guardians oh, of the Galaxy, true. with Thor going off with Rocket and all of the Guardians. Um, Gamora is back, but it's 2014. Gamora, you see in the battle that she reunites with Peter Quill, that has Quill's like, "Oh my God, I thought I lost you." Goes to touch her face, she kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> Missed the first time, but got them both the second time. And you see him looking at a map, searching for Gamora, because she's gone. Searching, yeah. And so they, uh, Thor comes on board, and is like, they both have this power struggle of who's in charge, like they did in Infinity War, setting up potentially for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for Thor to now be with them. I have to think James Gunn is salivating at the idea of getting to have Chris Simsworth in his movie. Yeah. They may not end up doing that, but that has to be like 80% of the reason that they wanted James Gunn to absolutely come back is they're like, no, we, we already... Well, we caught that, we caught that we James planned. Gunn was listed as a producer on this film. Yeah. So I gotta wonder if he was involved in the decision to put Thor in that scene. Oh, man, it's gonna be interesting to see how they pursue that. So now let's move on to some hot takes. Hot takes, some things we may not have liked, some things mm-hmm. we, we want to critique or whatever, mm-hmm. if we even have much of anything. I have one. You have one. And I don't know if it's so much... I could be or I could be convinced that this is not a bad thing. I could absolutely be convinced the other way. But I think there's a real missed opportunity in this movie. Everything is so perfect from the from for, in terms of the arcs of the characters, the people who get to have that moment of sort of redemption in so many ways... But there's one character who doesn't get it. They really should have had a moment for Hulk to redeem himself against Thanos. Because Hulk got his butt whooped and then disappears for Infinity War. He and Bruce become sort of one mind, one body in this film. This whole fight happens. Everybody, Thor, Iron Man, Cap, Pepper Potts, 
uh, uh, Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, everybody gets some sort of shot at Thanos that should get one, except for the Hulk. He doesn't get a moment to, like, save somebody or destroy Thanos for a minute until something else happens. It's really like a moment of, like, I as I watch it the second time, I realize that it doesn't happen. And I thought, well, that's kind of a shame. They really could have given Bruce and Hulk... He gets his moment to redeem himself with the snap, but just getting a moment to sort of get it, you know, give Thanos that receipt for whooping him the first time would have been... I think a really cool moment, and especially one that a lot of fans I think wanted was to see Hulk and Hulk like unleash on Thanos in a new way. I agree because in Infinity War, Hulk was the first one to attack Thanos, mm-hmm. and I figured that somewhere somewhere along the line there was going to be some sort of a heroic moment where Hulk was going to come back and try to face off with him again, mm-hmm. but we didn't get that. So I was, I was left a little. That was the only thing I was left a little empty about. Like, what happened with Thor, or what happened with uh, what happened with Hulk? I don't necessarily think it needed to happen because, <clears throat> as they mentioned, whenever he first found himself, Hulk and Bruce found peace with themselves, and I think that is the overall issue that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce said that he had always seen. Hulk as a cancer or a, a virus or whatever, and then he started to think of him as a cure, and now he's got the best of both worlds. I don't, and I think that he struggled with his loss, but over time he was able to find that peace within himself to where he didn't need that moment, whereas Thor did, mm-hmm. because you see that Thor had gone, he had also lost and gone down a self destructive path, whereas Bruce and Hulk both lost, blamed themselves. But then found themselves, mm-hmm. and I think that could be why that didn't happen. Yeah. And I don't think that Bruce necessarily needed it to happen. I think yeah. that he is happy finding peace within himself and a balance between him and Hulk to where he didn't need that moment. It could have been yeah. nice to see, but I don't yeah. think he needed it. And that's what I mean. is like the movie works without it. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the movie's ruined because I didn't right. do that. Because like, it was so perfect that I didn't even think about it. Until the second time, it just kind of realized that like there's no there's no moment where those two go at it once again, and so like I said, I I'm I'm totally content with it not being there. But I was like trying to really think of like something while I was watching the second while I was watching the second time and thinking like, do I have any complaints? I couldn't even draw like draw anything out. Yeah. And I think that we do get Josh. You mentioned uh, when you were doing the rundown that um, Bruce says it was like I was meant for this, which is a great callback to the first Avengers movie. Where Bruce says, or Tony's trying to convince Bruce that the Hulk is a good thing. And Bruce says, so like you're saying the Hulk saved my life, saved it for what? And then he has this moment here of realizing this is what the Hulk saved me for. Like it's this moment I, the Hulk had to come out so that I could, I could have this moment to save the world, save the universe. So anyway, that's my lukewarm take. All right. (laughs) Any others? I don't, I don't know. Uh, so this has been something that I've been thinking about. And uh, we talked about this just before we came over here. And it's it's the longevity of that first hour. And that longevity of the first hour, it it seemed a little too long at, at first glance. However... Upon the upon the second and third glances of this film that I've 
that I've been able to see in the past 72 hours. Uh, that first hour is very necessary mm-hmm. because it drives out the, it, it flushes out the message that hope is pretty much lost at this point in the MCU. And there needs to, it, it needs to have that development in order to, in order to feel correct. You couldn't tell this movie in two hours. Like, and I'm talking the same about, way. I'm talking about the entire thing, yeah. both Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. If you told it in two hours, it, it would not be the same movie. We, it would just get a run of the mill MCU MCU film, and in this case, it's not. And to to tell it in five plus hours is probably the way to go. Yeah. Um, but now you know, looking back at it, I'm like that that first hour is very necessary. And it's almost draining to watch it, mm-hmm. and then of course we get that build up towards the in the second act. Yeah, it really shifts. Yeah. yeah, everything shifts. But that's if if I have any hot takes, that's probably it. I don't have a lot, I don't really have anything for hot takes in this. this yeah, you got this one. Is, this is quite close to. I got a loop. I got a question for you. I, okay. So this isn't necessarily a hot take, but is anybody underwhelmed by the? minimal amount of Captain Marvel that's actually in the movie. No. Because she's only in this movie. She I actually somebody did the did the number crunching. She only gets fifteen minutes of screen time in this movie when she's it seemed like they were really building her to be a main aspect of this film. It's not about her. It's not about them. This is this is a one hundred percent fan service to the original six. Mm-hmm. And she is pro she is gonna be a clutch in the future, but I mean Drax in them. I mean, Chris Pratt has maybe five words in this movie. Well, a lot more than that, but like not a lot. So like their their main focus is on the originals, right. not so much Captain Marvel and stuff. Like I think that she's too new to really kind of get any reaction from people. Um, because I made a note that I was really surprised that when she showed up it, to save Tony and when she showed up at the end. There was no reaction from the crowd, and I don't. And I know that there's always there's internet controversy about Brie, but I think it's just genuinely people haven't been able to build a a connection with her yet because she's only done one movie. So, and I'm not surprised by it. I think that the way they set it up is the way they should have gone with just mm-hmm. this is the end for what started it all. Right, and let's let's close out this chapter, and we'll worry about everybody else coming up. Yeah, and and she like while she's done really well, like Black like she's not even as big as Black Panther, right? Who even like his one film, like when he shows up, big applause. What about you guys? Were you guys underwhelmed by her not being in the movie as much as it kind of seemed like they were teasing? Mm, no, no, I thought she was in it the right amount, and I kind of think that she was used as a bit of a red herring to throw people off a bit. Yeah, um, you know, of course everyone's going to think she plays a pivotal role. She was the post credit scene of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to expect her to be big. And like the like Marvel and the Russos do, they do the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. They they don't show us what's going to really happen. You got to watch it for yourself. And she does the the those 15 minutes that she has are very important. Yes. Because there is no Tony does die in space without her. And um the Avengers may lose the war if, if somebody doesn't stop that ship. So her two main parts are, are very important, even if they're short. So I, I was fine with it. All right. And I don't really, I don't really have a true hot take. I, don't, I really don't have a critique. All right. <laughs> I really don't. I've tried, and I, 
I like. I I don't think there's a minute of this film that's wasted. Well, there we go. Then, do we want to uh, move on to the box office numbers, as uh, staggering as they are? Gargantuan. Here we go. Yeah, let's do that. Here we go. So, current estimate. We'll have a more official number tomorrow afternoon once the the Sunday shows finally finish filling up. But current estimate is that right now, Captain Marvel has made or uh, Captain Marvel uh, Avengers Endgame has made three hundred and fifty million dollars opening weekend. Which is about a uh, hundred million more than the next highest opening weekend ever, which was in Avengers: Infinity War. The current top ten are Avengers: Endgame, Captain Marvel returning to number two with an eight million dollar haul, The Curse of La Llorona, La, La, La Llorona. There you go at seven point five. Breakthrough uh, at six point three. Shazam uh, dropped sixty percent down to five <laughs> really million. Really took a hit. Yeah. Really took a hit here. Uh, Little goes down to is at three million. Uh, Dumbo, which at this point might be headed towards being considered a flop by most people, Good. comes in at three point two million. Pet Cemetery at number eight. Uh, Us is still hanging in there at number nine with a one million dollar haul this weekend. And then uh, Disney's na- the Disney nature film Penguins comes in at number ten. Again, these are estimates. The three hundred fifty million dollar number could fluctuate as much as five million dollars. We'll see. They are adding screenings like every few hours like the theaters are opening up things so this movie could go up more or it could end up being like 345 either way if that number holds though at 350 it'll be the top it'll be it'll be the number 50 highest grossing movie of all time after just three three days so so in other words box office numbers it's avengers endgame and everything else everything is like it is it is a race right now to see if it can manage to catch uh the force awakens and avatar which i think it will catch avatar in the global numbers and it probably will catch force awakens in global numbers because globally it's already made over a billion dollars yeah i've I've tried to read up some some box office analyses this morning once those numbers Mm -hmm. came out and the the it seems like the consensus is that it is impossible to predict where this movie is going to go because its opening weekend was so unprecedented that it, there's no measurement. It is, and and it's got a real um, handicap versus say say Force Awakens made 930 million dollars in the United States alone. It came out over Christmas weekend essentially, yeah. like over December weekend. So it had no competition all the way from December through to March. Whereas Avengers, it's got basically the month of May. If you look at the weeks coming up. This movie could have six hundred million dollars in its first month, but then you start getting some other big, big summer movies come in. You get things like Aladdin. You get things like uh, Lion King, Toy Story four. So it might impact whether or not it's going to make that, make it up. To, it might get up to just like nine in the nine hundred millions, according to some analysts. Um, let me see here. I have a list of records shattered. I'm not going to read all of them, but uh, suffice it to say, it broke a lot. I think one of the most interesting ones that it broke is what's known as the, um, let's see here, the uh, weekend market share. So total in the box office this weekend, movies made $392 million. And as you can guess, 350 of that is Avengers Endgame. So Avengers Endgame accounted for 89% of the tickets sold this weekend. Wow. If you factor in Captain Marvel's uh, $8 million, then Marvel Studios Films accounted for 91% of tickets sold this weekend, which is a ridiculous, ridiculous amount. It breaks the previous record of Avengers in- Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, which had an 84% share its weekend. Dang. Um, 
It is uh, safe to say it will be the number one movie for every actor involved. Every actor credited, this will be the number one movie for the rest of their lives. Um, and it's already the number two highest grossing film of 2019. Only Captain Marvel is ahead of it, and it will probably pass that by Wednesday. <laughs> it, it'll probably it'll probably be the highest grossing movie of this decade, too. Decade? It'll probably be the highest grossing movie of, I mean, it'll be hard to imagine. At least this century. It's definitely, in terms of, at least in terms of its opening weekend and opening day, mm-hmm. it made uh, $60 million in Thursday previews. So that's basically anything that opened after five. And then... Um, it's the largest Friday opening ever, um, and largest opening day at $156 million opening day. Wow. Um, that means that, um, you, here's a movie you guys probably really liked, you know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It made more than Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in its first day. In like the sum total. The sum total of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it eclipsed in one day. Dang. Um, let me see, what are the other ones? Oh, it's now the highest grossing Saturday. It made $119 million on Saturday. Or, I'm sorry, no, wait, that's Star Wars. It made a hundred and, um, it made $109 million on Saturday. The previous record was Infinity War with $82 million. And it's the highest record for a movie that came out, or it's the highest Sunday gross. So, it, um... It's doing pretty well. <laughs> and, um... But is it gonna, is it gonna make the bank? Uh, the potential to yeah, it's, it, it's it, definitely it, it's definitely got back its budget, okay, to say the least. And let me see, was there something else I wanted to say about that? I can't think. Um, no, that's it. I mean, this movie is seemingly unstoppable. Its first real test is going to be two weeks from now when Detective Pikachu comes out, <laughs> uh, which that's I no anticipate, joke. That's no joke. I anticipate that that's going to make a lot of money. Detective too. Pikachu will probably make like. 40 to 55 million dollars opening weekend people want to laugh at that but pokemon makes a lot of money i think Mm -hmm. it'll do really well but i think even endgame will probably be bringing in maybe like 70 million that weekend it'll be its third weekend if we see the traditional 50 percent drop next weekend could still be one of the highest grossing weekends of all time because if it drops 50 percent it's going to be uh one what was it like 120 something like 129 or something like that wow so, did you even mention the 1.2 billion dollar worldwide haul? I did. I said it's it's got a 1.2 uh, billion worldwide, uh, shattering records in every country it's opened in: China, England, Mexico, um, anything like everywhere it's opened. It's basically breaking box office records, and uh, the it it cannot be undersold how much 350 million dollars is in one weekend. It is more than. Uh, like any, it's just, it's more than most movies ever make, ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, the, the previous highest opening weekend was Infinity War, and it was $100 million less. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's unheard of. The first Avengers movie made $200 million worldwide opening weekend, and we thought that was amazing. Yeah. And it was. It was, it was, it was amazing for the time. And for this movie, th- seven years later, to make $150 million more. Yeah, staggering. To, to sell how big a deal this is, I just want to read these two sentences from um, the BuzzFeed News article about this this morning. Uh, Avengers Endgame has fundamentally altered what Hollywood perceives is even possible for a film's financial success. It's as if after years of trying to land on the moon, humanity suddenly reached Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's 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 incredibly accurate representation of what we're seeing here. Um let me see. Oh, yeah, I had one more little detail, it, which is um, in terms of MCU movies, 
Where does it stack up there, you might be asking. Well, it is already uh, the ninth highest grossing MCU movie after and three days. And that's out of 23. That's out of 23. It beat um, The Incredible Hulk on day one. No. You know, it, uh, and it was, so it was sitting at 22 after Friday, and it has surged up, and it will pass Captain Marvel and the rest of the movies probably this week, and it's got a chance to definitely pass Black Panther and sort of reassert an, an Avengers film back on top as the highest grossing. We'll see how it does. It's got a chance to make a lot of money in May and keep making money in June. If they leave this movie in theaters 26 weeks, which is about the average for uh, a blockbuster film of this type, a big studio film of this type, then it's got a chance to climb into the 900 million range. Whether it beats Force Awakens, we'll see. All right. Let's move on to our Rotten Tomatoes game, which is going to be a little different this A little different too. this time. Why don't you explain it yeah. away? So uh, every, we already know the score. Uh, it's currently at 96%. So, oh, I've, I didn't know the score. Oh, oh well, you didn't? I thought it was 98. Oh, no, it, it went down a little bit. It went down a little bit. Okay. Um, so Stabilized. Because we kind of already knew the realm, so I'm trying something different. This is the end game. We've done our Avengers. This is the end of the Infinity Saga. So what I have done is calculated the percentage of the entire Infinity Saga average as done for the Marvel movies. So there are only two movies that are not certified fresh every single movie is fresh mm -hmm. do you want to guess which ones are not certified hulk uh, Thor, the hulk, dark world Thor, the dark world there's only two well then i got those two you are correct yeah, yeah. <laughs> hulk and the incredible hulk and thor the dark world are both at 67 percent they're so fresh, they are the lowest yeah. everything else is above that so keeping that in mind taking all of the scores for from rotten tomatoes for all of these movies what is the average freshness of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? This range goes from 67 to 97, is that right? 90, uh, 97, yes. Okay. I am going to go with 89. 89? I will shoot lower and say 81. 81. I want to. I want to say eighty-four. Eighty-four. Okay. I don't really agree. It's in the eighties. Okay. I don't have a critics' consensus. Oh yeah. I will say they good consensus <laughs> that one of you is exactly right. One of them is exactly impressive. Do you want to guess who you think is exactly right? Oh, I don't. No, because we all think we are right. Well, that's true. What's Garrett's consensus? Coming in with. An overall average of 84%. Oh, yes. dang. Josh is correct. That's pretty good. I'm proud of that one. That's a good <laughs> guess. Yeah. That one I feel like was harder to guess than a traditional one we do. Yeah. So uh, let's give our ranking, but then I have a couple of other things that I want to address. Oh, my. Just right. just small. Okay. Um well, it only makes sense to do it out of Infinity Stones again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five out of five. five. <laughs> yeah, five. Five time heists. Are there, yeah. are there five stones? Are there there six. 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 Oh, there's six. Oh, there's six out of six Infinity Stones. Pardon me. Oh, yeah, six. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this is as close to as close to perfect as a film gets for me. This is a five out of five. Yeah, this is my kind of movie. Uh... How Why many? are you thinking? Because 
I'm gonna he's, give this. He's gonna try to do a funny he's, joke, he's, and it's not gonna be funny, and then he's gonna be like, okay. How many extra beyond the limit? Of I'm gonna the, give this a scale out of five. Yeah, okay, nine there we go. Yeah, 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 okay, so what's the funniest so, over I can say over five? Now that we've got our rankings in, how do we want to rank these four movies? Oh, the of the Avengers. Yep. Oh, like that, it's been a tough struggle for me. So like in order, it, yeah. So Endgame mm-hmm. is at the top, and Ultron is at the bottom, and I have really struggled with Avengers and Infinity War because I think that Avengers is still a better movie than Infinity War, as much as I love Infinity War. But because of how good Endgame is, you Endgame's not as good without Infinity War because right. they're connected. And you know what else? Endgame's not as good without the Avengers. Ex- yeah, so like... It's, it's part of the movie. Right, so like where where do you... Where do they rank? So for me, uh, it's it. Endgame, Avengers, and Infinity War. I just put it on the same line. I can't... I cannot differentiate them. And Ultron. Yeah, maybe you guys will agree with me. For me, it's Age of Ultron at the bottom. But I think that generally I can say for certain... These movies only got better with time. So, with the exception of the step back with Age of Ultron, it goes Avengers number three, Infinity War number two, and Endgame number one. Like, they just build upon each other and get better as it goes. Like, if Age of Ultron had really stood out and been, like, really built upon what they did in the first Avengers movie, then it would be number two. Because, like, it just... Like, it's rare to have a franchise that gets better as it goes. Say your Mm -hmm. order again. So, it's Age of Ultron, just because I feel like it's a step back. Avengers... Infinity War, Endgame, at number one. Like, I want to put Avengers higher, but, like, the thing is, they built so well off of that. Right. The, the movies just get better with each film. Like, to say that Infinity War is is somehow not as good as a, the first Avengers movie, I feel like is almost a slap in the face to say, like, well, these movies, uh, they did one really good one the first time, and then they did the last one really good, and the other two were just kind of so-so. Like, and that's not the case. I feel like they just got better as they went. Yep. I would have to go with yours. It's and it's who? It, uh, I'm sorry, Garrett. That's his name. You had yeah. to think about it. <laughs> yeah, he said yours. I mean, he forgot like, to take his medicine. Nobody, see, nobody can fine. see which one you're talking to. No, I went blind. Um, <laughs> now, in uh, game is first. Avengers, Avengers, and Infinity War are tied for second, mm. and Age of Ultron is fourth. <laughs> and you're reserving third for any other Avengers movie that might, uh, I'm might come in. I'm third because I got <laughs> it. just left third blank. <laughs> Only Andrew. It's reserved for a movie that might come along that's better than Age of Ultron. Say Captain America Civil War. That's another. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's basically an Avengers movie. Oh, God. I don't know. The only thing I can guarantee you is that Age of Ultron is at the bottom. I it's tough. Really... Still, I still want to put the Avengers really high. Yeah, and that's what—that's why I couldn't because, like, to put—you're right—to put, you're right, to put it at I, three is like it seems like a disservice, but they're all so close. It's not like there's a big gap. No, we're talking about the differences in like single numbers, like yeah. 92, 93, 94, right? In terms of like rankings on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh man, I think I like the Avengers more than Infinity War. Oh, I, 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 I do. I think I can, I can rewatch it so much more. It's really hard to rewatch Infinity War. It's easy to watch Infinity War. No, I did it like three times so, before this movie. It's not rewatchable. It is I mean, rewatchable, it is, but it's not like 
as rewatchable. So, what, totally would you, so what would your brings full in order all be? these new characters? Uh, I think. Okay, I think Endgame Thor splashes is down infinitely in more rewatchable than Infinity War. Yeah, well, that's probably just because of the fan service moments. Yeah. So I probably, uh, I, I think recency bias is playing a part in this too much. I want to say Endgame is at the top, with like not even like it, it's like decimals different from the Avengers, and then Infinity War, which is another decimals different, and then. Age of Ultron, which is significantly further down. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a step back. All right. Last yeah. thing that I wanted to bring up well, before Joss we move was on. really losing it. Yeah. <laughs> they broke Joss, as we they said. Go back him. and listen to our previous Avengers yeah. podcast. Maybe you'll come away with the same opinions as us. This one's getting long, so real quick. My other word that I was struggling to use to describe this was void because I get attached to things. So Josh has heard me mention this a lot. Uh, as a kid, I would watch a lot of TV, and I still do. But, like, I'd get an attachment, like, they were my friends. And so when the shows would cancel, they'd leave a hole in my heart. Chuck is the main one that does this to this day. So now that this is over, this has been 11 years of my life, and there is a void that I do not have because I know that while we'll still have Marvel movies, it won't be the same. So looking ahead, I I know we already kind of made predictions, but how do we think after Endgame, what do we see them doing? Is it still going to be connected? Are they going to focus more on individual franchises? How do we think they're going to take this and run? Yes, it will still be connected. I think a lot of it's going to come... I, I don't think we can begin to really make uh, informed predictions until we see the scope of what these Disney Plus projects are going to be, which are TV shows. Um, but I think they're limited run. I don't think they're all they're intended like to have multiple yeah. seasons. Yeah. I know we just found out WandaVision is like six hours. Yeah. And set back in time, apparently. Yeah. Well, or at least has an aesthetic that's similar to it. I think, I mean, a leading theory I've seen about the Loki series is that it, it might involve that alternate timeline Loki who left with the Tesseract mm-hmm. in this movie. So That would make sense. It's going to come down to that a lot. Um, we know you, movies that are being made. They're right. just not official on right. the record. They haven't announced so, anything, but like... And they didn't give us anything on this, so that's why I'm saying, like, we might maybe we'll but, get more from Spider-Man. I was gonna say, remember, Phase Three ends with Spider-Man. Yeah, not which this might, movie. Might right. serve as a kind of an epilogue to in, to Endgame yeah. in a sort of way. Like, you know, we get some sort of closing I th- thoughts from Peter Parker's side. I think Far From Home's post-credit scene could be really important. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Andrew? I'm not done. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, I was just, no, 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 no. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, I think that. Uh, we just couldn't possibly know yet because I'm sure this is yet another decade-long plan mm-hmm. that will culminate with maybe like I don't know a new Avengers or um, you know we got all the Fox properties that will that will slowly be built in just not soon. Yeah, so who knows? Who knows what storyline they could go with? And maybe the old Netflix properties too. They might incorporate in. So we don't know. To to be honest with you, again, I don't know. I really don't know. This is this leaves such a blank expression on my face because mm-hmm. there really is there's a lot they could do with it but at the same time I'm dumbfounded because they've wrapped up so much stuff I that's it I will say with certainty that uh, they are going to start uh, having a way more diverse cast we've already seen the, the early elements of that I think you're going to see a wider range and more, maybe we more exotic uh, range of not just uh, ethnicities and cultures, but 
different kinds of powers and groups and yeah. things like that. I think um, we will definitely get another Avengers movie, whether or not they directly call it Avengers or they call it New Avengers or they call it, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, interesting take on that type of name. And there's been tons of different Avengers comics and teams in the in the in the con in the books these are based off of. So I think we will get that and we're going to get sort of a new Trinity if 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 Thor and and Cap and and uh, Tony have been sort of the core of this first group. I think that like T'Challa and and Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange maybe are going to be sort of that going forward and you're going to see uh new characters every every year and um and we might get some more interesting stories that they might decide to do. They might do something that is more like Black Widow, which we would have to assume is either going to be a prequel or maybe going to be set during the five-year the five year window where we don't really know what happened after Thanos died to when we catch up with them. So maybe there's a story in that time period. Um, we might see them do more stuff like that, maybe more stuff set in the, in the past or set in a different way, set in some sort of different timeline. Yeah, even though it feels like they're not taking a break they kind of are because um spider-man aside we don't know who who might show up in spider-man we're probably not going to see any of these characters on the screen big screen again until guardians 3 and that's 21 22 mm. that's years out yeah the movies in between then I, I believe are supposed to be new origins i think it, the smart thing to do would be to do basically to rebuild, which I think we didn't mention this at the very end of the credits, there's the sound of hammering, which is uh, very definitely uh, just a recording of Robert Downey Jr.'s care of, of Tony Stark building his first suit. But I think they're going to rebuild here and they're going to. What did they do when they did the first Avengers? They did a series of origin f films with, for, you know, introducing new character, introducing these characters, and then they did an Avengers. I think we're not going to get an Avengers for at least four years, maybe five. It's going to be a little while. They're going to give us these new characters and let us get to love them even more before they give them a reason to assemble. Okay, I think that is the end. I think I think we've reached the end of this yeah. show. Two hours almost. Yeah. Good for us. By far our longest <laughs> episode. Almost as long as Endgame. No, yes. we still have another hour to go. An hour and seconds. Um, yeah, that, this is a, it's the end of an era. Uh, this was a fun series to do. I think probably my favorite we've done yet. Yeah. So I'm looking yeah. forward to what's next. We're going to play the game. I'm going to spin the wheel, figure out what we're doing next. I sure hope it's something lighter. <laughs> <laughs> something that won't make me cry all the time. I feel like this is the one time that I would root for something like Grown Ups next, just because like I need something stupid and not substantial oh. to clear my mind palette. I'm oh. worried fate's going to judge us on this. They're going to give us something real bad. I can already feel it. Yeah, it's probably not going to be great. Uh, we're up to 100. This is, your, this is David's first time playing the game. It is, yeah. never spun the wheel. It's great. So the way, just to recap, because it feels like it's been forever since we've done it. Uh, we each have a veto, so we've added a, a cast member. So we have four total vetoes. So there will be, if we all veto, the fifth movie will be the one we are forced to do. We're up to 171 movies. Right. Movie franchises. That is so many. Okay. We just crossed off four. <laughs> Let's do it. Four Let's do it. I'm ready. So the I'm first ready. one is 41, and that is... No, no. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew Which it. is almost literally... 
the way that I would feel about uh, Grown Ups. I'd be like, that's a dumb movie. I'll let Andrew go first. Anybody? Thoughts? Veto? So they want a levy out there? Uh, now, yeah. I, keep in mind, in my opinion, this excludes Dumb and Dumberer. And it oh, with ignores the young that. Why completely. would it exclude the prequel? Do you want to do it? It's part of the series. I mean, we can. I just figured because it's, it's not, it's is it not, not Jet. I don't know. I've never seen it. It's supposed to be them when they're younger. I've yeah. never had the ability or want slash desire to see oh, and Dumb and Dumber Rur it's bad or too. Dumb and Dumber 2. It's bad, too. I'm going to veto. Oh, Here's another thing. No, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'll gonna, say it off mic later. You'll, you'll reserve that for whenever we actually have to watch it. Because we can't veto it next time, right? No, you can. Yeah. Oh, you can. Yeah. Be, we can veto. We can veto it till, yeah. till it never happens. If that's oh. what happens. Yeah, I don't make a note of the veto. <laughs> if it comes oh. up first every time, yeah. Oh, uh, just Andrew can't veto anymore today. Oh, Andrew can't veto anymore. He's done. I'm shit on toast. So <laughs> only, only three left. <laughs> Winnie ways to describe you. Next is uh, I'm okay. Uh, Night at the museum. Oh, with Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Robin yeah. Williams. Robin Williams. Uh, oh, Steve right. Coogan and mm-hmm. Owen Wilson. Wow. 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 All right with that. There's three of those. There's uh, the first one, the night, there's uh, something about the Smithsonian. 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 You know? And then the last one. I think I'm all right with that, too. Yeah. I think that would be a refreshing change up from this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't have a say in it, so yes. (laughs) <laughs> would you veto what, what, it? Yeah, what would you have said? I would not have vetoed it. I don't think I have a problem with these movies. No. I've seen at least two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen all of them by by like happenstance. I think one of them was on TV once. And I think I saw I, I saw the other ones in theaters at some point. So, yeah, I'm all right with that. Same. Cool. Cool. Well, all right. Well, that was easier than I thought it would have been. The other, the other two uh, would have been How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, okay. <sighs> And to get that. <laughs> I know you yeah. and uh, the Sicario franchise. Oh, oh, that would have been poor. that was the one that I told you Fate was waiting on to give us. I mean, not that it's probably not bad at all, but it would have been heavy following up that with this. Mm-hmm. Or following up this with that. <laughs> Whatever you know what I'm trying to say. Folks. I think you were right though that uh, you know Ninth Museum is fine, but I think Fate screwed us a little bit because <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon would have been perfect. The, oh yeah. The final, well, especially the with final the, movie just came out. Yeah. yeah. Had we had we all vetoed. And been forced to do a movie. Austin Twilight. Powers. Oh, we missed out on Austin Powers. Would have been the Austin Powers franchise. We could, we can, you know, we would have given us that chance, that chance to delve into comedy sequels because that is a lot of diminishing returns when it comes to the Austin Powers franchise. Yeah. So well, and it didn't start out high. It started out, it, it, I, in my opinion, it started out very high. Okay. Have you seen it lately? Okay. Austin Powers, absolutely. No. First one. International Man of Mystery? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Recently? Yes. Okay. Regardless of, of how often David watches Austin Powers, <laughs> we will be doing <laughs> Night at the Museum the next time yep. we see you all. Don't forget you can find us online at SoManySequels.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We try to be active on all three of those things. And um, check out our Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash SoManySequels. We have a few tiers up there for you if you would be so uh, generous as to help support our uh, ragtag little show that would be great um whatever whatever you can give is fine with us mm-hmm. if you want to give anything yeah or if it, you don't then i guess you don't have to yeah so yeah find there us there so many sequels until next time well i'm gonna go home and cry 